0: Did you know that you can stream the best of HBO shows and more with the new Astro? Better than before, no rain interruptions, no repeats, just stream anytime and on demand via the Astro Ultra Box. It starts from only RM59.90 a month, and you can find out more information at astro.com.my. You're listening to The Goggle Podcast, Bahir and Uma with you, and today we are going to be reviewing the long-awaited, potentially final movie by Hayao Miyazaki. It's called The Boy and the Heron. It's finally made it to Malaysian shores, which is a rarity, mind you. It's not often that we get the high-end anime coming to our shores, and so this is quite exciting. And I say potentially final, because I think this might be the third or fourth time that Miyazaki has announced his retirement with a movie. Right. Obviously, he's in his 80s, and these things often take him like 10 years to make. So it could potentially be his final, final one, even though there are rumours that he's already researching and working on another film. But The Boy and the Heron, in our cinemas... You went to watch it, Bahei. This is only your second ever Miyazaki movie. Yes. And I think maybe the third or fourth time that you've ever attempted to watch anime. Probably. I'm not shy to recommend these to you because obviously they're not the kind of anime that you dislike with the bulging eyes and the big hit, small hit, big hit, small hit. Yes, yes. Type of thing which you find cute and annoying.
1: Incredibly cute and annoying.
0: Castle of Cagliostro you enjoyed. You saw it on the big screen. You saw it in cinemas. Before I get into my thoughts, Boy and the Heron, what did you think as someone who does not watch anime?
1: I mean, right off the bat, I'm gonna start swearing immediately. Fucking beautiful, hand drawn, motherfucker. Fuck, there's a fire sequence. The fire that sequence in the beginning.
0: Good Christ, it was beautiful, dude. It's the kind of thing I think. Disney wishes they could do.
1: But it's the kind of thing Disney used to do. You're right. Think about early Fantasia. Think about the three Caballeros. Yes. The music stuff, right? There's a real sort of dreamy fantasy sequence that only pencil and paper can do. And good God, this was beautiful. That fire sequence. Our lead hero keeps coming back to it. It comes back to him in dreams. And just the way they drew that fire. I will be amazed... Although I won't be surprised, but I will be amazed if they didn't have any computer work in this. There were bits of it that felt like there was some, I wouldn't say elements, but it was processed in CZ potentially. I don't know. I could very easily be wrong and I'm more than happy to be wrong in this instance. But good God, there were a lot of really beautiful sequences in this thing. What
0: a way to open it, right? Just baller. Every time I watch one of his movies, man, and like when you think of something like Spirited Away, for example, or even The Boy and the Heron, even, even Caslo Cagliostro, I'm always amazed at the storytelling decisions. Like, this movie begins with this crisis. There's a fire. Mm. Our young hero's mom is working at a hospital. And the father rushes out. He follows. And within the first five minutes, you learn that the mom dies tragically. And it's this beautiful artistic death, right it's not even morbid she becomes one with the fire as she says goodbye to her son yeah this is still supposed to appeal to children and yet miyazaki
1: does not pull his punches at all you know why because it's for japanese children these are children that would walk 10 minutes to go buy groceries when they're two or true. three or whatever it is right that is true There are no punches being pulled here there's no real cover for sensitivities of the young mind there's no talking down to them this isn't an easy movie to watch like it opens with that sequence and then immediately says in dialogue my mother died when i was five i think he says and then two years into the war we moved to go to the new town and you go like boom you're there there's no come up from the fire. It's just we're going. And I think that is again very adult filmmaking. Yeah. 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 And in fact, in fact, like I saw a headline before I watched this movie about how some Western audiences were finding this movie a little hard to watch because they felt it was jumpy. And and after watching it, I realized it's not jumpy. It's it's just adult filmmaking. You pay attention to the dialogue, you pay attention to the story, you know why we're here now. And if you're surprised about why we're here, it's okay. Three minutes later, you find out it's a dream sequence and you go back to the beginning. You have to pay attention. It's a movie. There's no hand-holding at
0: all. That's why. No hand-holding. American audiences are used to a lot of hand-holding. Because even when you think about the plot of The Boy and the Heron, if you try to explain the plot to someone, it's actually a paper-thin plot. Mm. Because it's a very simple idea that you can put down in maybe one or two sentences but it's the way these characters are kind of strung together and all of the metaphor and symbolism that actually makes it work because you're following these characters as opposed to the story yeah and Miyazaki has always done that very well like you love the classic Disney stuff which is why I think you should watch Ponyo which is probably his most child-friendly show but it is also rooted in great animation and fantastic music. So there are all of these dream musical sequences, underwater sequences, which are absolutely beautiful. And yet again, razor-thin plot, but it's show-don't-tell. It's how these characters grow and evolve, and that's what you're following throughout. Like, for me, what blows me away, of course, is the way Miyazaki works. Like, this is based on a book called How Do You Live, which was a book pamphlet brochure written as a guide to young people in japan he's taken this idea of the book because not it's not the story of the book it's that the book features in his story and it's almost how that book would influence our protagonist yes so it's truly inspired by as opposed to based on and i think that's a really clever way to adapt something and tell a story
1: I think you'd have to be a real storyteller at heart to be able to do that. Because it's not just a... Like you said, it's not just a plot A to plot B to plot C to resolution kind of story, right? As I left the hall, I wasn't sure if I liked this movie. I don't mean that in a, I didn't like this movie. In a, I'm not sure if I'm smart enough or sensitive enough to notice this movie. You know, because there were scenes, again, the scenes were beautiful and then... There's this talking heron that vomits up a man. And I'm just like, maybe I don't get it. And then suddenly they go through a doorway. And then I'm like, maybe I don't get it. There were moments throughout this movie I felt like, did I fall asleep? Am I missing jumps here? And again, it's, you know, you just pay attention and you keep up and you get it. Like, I understood how our protagonist gets from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. But I wasn't swept away by it it didn't pull me along. And I think it's like you said, the the plot isn't difficult to follow. The plot is very straightforward. It's very simple. I'm still under the Western media influence of plot-driving story and all that stuff. So I loved a lot of those shots and I'm glad I saw it in the cinema. But for me, I'm not sure if this goes on my top 10 list for the year. Only because I didn't feel it. It didn't affect me. I wasn't... Moved by it. One of our writers, Amelia Chen, felt similar to you in that she
0: liked the movie, but it didn't move her as much as some of Miyazaki's other films. I think I was particularly moved by the film because of the messaging and what Miyazaki was almost saying about himself, Mm. because it felt like here was this old man talking about his own crumbling kingdom. And searching for a successor. And it felt like young Mahito was almost the surrogate slash successor he never had. I mean, Miyazaki can be a bit of a grouch. This is a man who walked out of his own son's movie, also produced by Studio Ghibli, because he went, Oh, it's so boring. Wow. So, he gives no shit. This is like the Japanese version of Ridley Scott. So, when I watched this movie, I was like, oh, shit. Like, he's really reflecting on his legacy based on the way this film plays out.
1: Hearing you talk about it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I see that. But I don't know anything about Miyazaki other than maybe what he looks like.
0: <laughs> but I don't think you need to know anything about Miyazaki to enjoy the film because I think it's a visual I, I treat. Agree. Yes, and I, I agree. And I think yeah. there is so much cultural nuance in the film that you can get lost in. And I think that's the thing I love most about the Miyazaki movies in that you really get lost in the world, whether it's a medieval fantasy world or wartime Japan. There are all these small moments in the movie, like when him and his stepmother are going to the house for the first time and they stop and get out of the rickshaw to bow to the people who've been conscripted into the army. Like nothing is said, nothing is explained, but you kind of understand what is happening at that point, right? In that show of respect. Even the father's job, he's clearly a war industrialist building aeroplanes for the war but it's never spelled out. All you see is people bringing cockpit glass to live yeah. in their house. Yeah. And that's all. But there is so much weight to that.
1: I'm not even convinced that that was their house. It felt like maybe it was a, a temple or something because, because they go in the front but then they go around the back and then suddenly there's an actual house like an actual western style house that they live in. I don't know. I,
0: I thought it was like the corporate home, you know.
1: So they've got the big
0: hall there and then the house, the residence is at the the back, the the kitchen is on one side.
1: Yeah, that's true, that's true. That's possible, yeah. yeah. I really uh, liked all of that. I liked the little bits of... I liked the little bits of the world that this movie provided to me. That was another moment. small moment, absolutely means nothing. But when Mahito's stepmother first walks into that hallway that we were just describing she takes off her slippers claps it for sand and then tells her son you know take yours as well right bring your shoes with you and I that was just like it's a real sweet little moment of nothing but of something it just feels like character it just feels like a real world and when you watch his movies you will notice all of that the way the
0: children behave in his movies as well is so well observed Mm. Even the way Mahito runs up the stairs is how we used to do it, right? We're going so fast, we need to be on all fours.
1: Yes. Because we're like
0: falling over almost. Uh, The same thing happens at the beginning when he's rushing out to try and save his mother. He rushes out in his clogs and then he like. And then he comes back in and changes. And then changes and then rushes out again. And it's all of that movement, which is so beautifully animated. And you're right, it feels real. It's
1: not just the movement. I found myself most in awe when there was no movement when there was the quiet of it all right he's obviously he and his artists are obviously very accomplished so they didn't need to show off in every fucking shot yeah there was a bit where there's a dutson that drives up to the school it's a simple basic shot as it just sort of rumbles up on this dirt road and it's all of these little small moments that feel like moving photographs and i love those right the bit towards the middle when they're walking through the ocean world or the dream world and there's grass everywhere or when they're walking towards the end and there's stone on the ground you you almost feel the stone under your feet I don't know why but there's a real sort of it's not realism but you get it and I think all of those really wrap up nicely but then again he does these this movie does these weird things of like the thing about the wara wara yes i swear to god i thought i fell asleep <laughs> i felt like i woke up and then suddenly there were these wara wara around i'm like wait what are we talking about who are these guys What what's going on and then suddenly the pelicans show up wait what is going on right now what and 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 i felt like that throughout the movie right suddenly there are these giant parakeets cute adorable with knives they can cook i love it but what? you know, and like I get the dialogue, I get what it's being said, but but I
0: think that comes with shifting your mindset into an anime state of mind. So I think the more movies you watch, even if it's just Miyazaki movies, sure, it yeah. becomes a lot more acceptable. And I say that because I think there's this weird thing about, I don't know if it's just anime movies, but maybe even Miyazaki stuff. But if you look at the boy and the heron, there is fantasy, there is reality with regards to the war stuff. There's also science fiction and there's supernatural. Mm. And yet all of it feels incredibly seamless. When the science fiction element comes in, it doesn't feel out of place. It just feels like part of that story that is being told. I think that's very interesting in that, one, the movie isn't classified in any specific way. And yet the audiences who watch it are completely
1: accepting of this story. The best way I can describe why that works is because there isn't a gear change when suddenly you find out maybe it's aliens. Right. Yes. I'm not I'm not saying it's aliens. I'm just pulling Giving an words example, out of my but, part. Yeah. but yeah. But but it's it's the, it isn't like oh my god we stop we now change directions to chasing aliens oh my god stop we change directions because suddenly we're doing a musical and I think that's the difference right this film I'm not gonna quote Miyazaki films because I've only seen two but this one doesn't ever feel like they have to stop to do something else it's a oh is this this thing okay cool you want to see it as science fiction that's fine you want to see it as magic realism that's fine it doesn't matter because this is the world. I had to stop myself from asking a very fundamental question in my brain very early on in this film. Why is Mahito not freaked out by this fucking heron? Right. Right? And I think it's that question... It's that question we never asked about Nobita and Doraemon. Yeah. It wasn't until much later did people decide they needed to tell the prequel story of how Nobita and Doraemon met. In the early days when we were watching it as cartoons, it didn't matter. But also...
0: I think that speaks to an understanding of childlike wonder in that I think if we were five or six or seven years old and we encountered that in our real life, we would be less freaked out than our grown-up selves.
1: Because we're trying to logic it.
0: We're trying to logic it as grown-ups.
1: I had to stop myself from asking. I had to stop going, wait, why did he pick up that wooden katana to try and take out the heron?
0: But also, it's very clear that the environment that they're in is accepting of that magical realism because even the old ladies in the kitchen are like yes this is a very strange place lots of weird things happen all
1: the time like they're so used to it also can we just can we talk about those old ladies they're great right again this again this comes from my western background my western media background but as soon as i saw those women i'm like oh they're the villains They're the villains. Because, you know, in Disney, all croons with moles on their noses are bad people. Always the bad guys, yes. Yeah, so I was like, these are the villains. They are doing
0: it all. No, man, they just want to make you a corned beef sandwich. Come on. They're just really excited for sugar.
1: Correct.
0: Yeah. A big shout out to Joe Hisaishi's score. I thought the music was absolutely fantastic. Like, it was there when it needed to be, and then it wasn't. When it didn't need to be,
1: there were sequences in this film where they just went completely silent. Yeah, for for just reasons. There's a there's a confrontation that that Mahito has with some classmates, and you don't hear dialogue. You don't really hear music. It just sort of plays out. It's like you're on the other side of the field watching this happen, and you know you can't affect it. You know you can't help. You know you can't get involved, but it's just happening right there in sight. There were a couple of moments like that which I found very amusing as a di- as a directorial decision as a storytelling decision.
0: You know, just looking at Miyazaki's track record, I think I think it's very clear that he is possibly one of the greatest animators Ever. Mm. Because when you think about his scope of work, he hasn't made a bad movie. But not just that, he still does almost everything in his films. Mm. Like he directs, he writes, he still hand draws a lot of stuff. Sure, he has a big team that does as yeah. well. But he is involved in every step of the process. Which is why these damn movies take so long to make.
1: This is the opposite of the George R.R. R. R. Martin thing. The reason these take so long is because he's... Very involved. He's he's a perfectionist. He's doing everything. Whereas George R.R. R. Martin just feels like he's waiting for inspiration to strike constantly. The Boy and the Heron is now showing in Malaysian cinemas.
0: It's a very rare occasion that this happens. So we urge you to go check it out. I believe it's only showing at TGV cinemas. So you'll have to go there to watch this movie. But highly, highly recommend it. Go mm. check it out. I believe, I believe... Netflix still has the rights to all of the Miyazaki stuff. So, you may be able to watch all of those movies still on Netflix, with the exception of Castle of Cagliostro, because he directed that outside of Studio Ghibli. So, I don't think Castle of Cagliostro is available, but all the Studio Ghibli stuff is. And yes... I alternate between pronouncing it Studio Ghibli and Studio Ghibli because I have no idea what is the correct way of saying it.
1: I was going to ask you, actually. That was ironic that you you mentioned that. I was actually going to ask you if, if that was the official pronunciation.
0: I think it's Studio Ghibli.
1: Ghibli, okay. Yes,
0: but I could be wrong. Anyway, watch The Boy and the Heron. Let us know what you think once you've seen it. Gogler, My, all of our social media feeds. You can also reach out on podcast at goggler.my. That's our email address or WhatsApp us on the goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. If you drop us a line on any one of those channels, we'll send you a link to join our Discord server, where you can chat with us in real time. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast.